Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and we're going to be talking about idolatry today. The title of my message is Where Your Treasure Is. I actually already had recorded a show for you on idolatry that last night I was down in the basement all night when the tornadoes were coming through. I was up all night that night and I recorded two podcasts, but the Lord did not approve of that one. And when I listened to it again, I could understand why. For those of you who like to make notes in your Bible, I'm going to be going over a number of scriptures in this if you want to follow along. So I was doing housework one day this week, and the Lord spoke something to me about idolatry. And I said, Lord, I just recorded a podcast on idolatry. Why are we talking about idolatry again? And he said, idolatry is anything people run to for comfort besides me. And I was thinking, why is he... And then it hit me why. The reason the Lord wants everyone to understand this very clearly is because the judgments are about to start. And in those times, everyone left on earth will be desperately seeking comfort. In those times, most people will be willing to do anything for even the smallest comfort because all of our comforts are going to be stripped away. He has told us this so that the Lord can get the attention of all those who will otherwise perish. So in biblical times, some people were idol makers by trade. They fashioned little gods out of metal or stone or wood or whatever. And these household gods, as they were called, were considered great treasures. Uh, So great, in fact, that they were passed down from generation to generation. These idol makers could make God look and be however they wanted him to look and be. They made him conform to their image, an image convenient for their lives. They could make a God that would fit in with their sin, kind of like people try to do now. How many times have you seen somebody get saved and then try to fit God into their life by adjusting God or trying to say the word says something it don't say or do the what I call cut and paste the scriptures where you just take part of one scripture and try to make a whole you know lifestyle out of it instead of adjusting their sin. And when he won't fit, because he will not be second, they decide that God just doesn't work for them. No, he don't. God don't work for anybody. He's God. God is not an ATM of answered prayers that you install in your house and then forget until you need something from him. He is God and he will be God. He don't play second fiddle. In Genesis 31, we read the story of Jacob leaving Laban's employ. Laban had dishonestly changed Jacob's wages 10 times, and Jacob had just had enough of it. So he told Rachel and Leah, pack up the kids, we're heading out. Well, they did. In fact, Rachel packed extra well. She also packed up Laban's household gods to take with them. I always wondered why she did that, because she was married to a man who believed in the one true God. So why did she grab those little statue gods and take them along? Well, I think I might have found the answer in the study notes I just read. And um, let me read this one note to you because it made a lot of sense to me. This is the note to Genesis 31, 19. 
And this is in the NIV 3rd Edition Study Bible. I'm not an NIV fan, but the study notes in the NIV 3rd Edition are fantastic. I bought the Bible for the study notes. That's what I read in it. And it says, Many people kept small wooden or metal idols in their homes. These idols were called teraphim, and they were thought to protect the home and offer advice in times of need. They had legal significance as well, for when they were passed on to an heir, the person who received them could rightfully claim the greatest part of the family inheritance. Most likely, Rachel stole her father's idols because she was afraid Laban would consult them and learn where she and Jacob had gone, or she wanted to claim the family inheritance. Looking for the definition of teraphim, because i never heard of that before, I found this on Wikipedia. Teraphim may refer to singular objects, but it uses the Hebrew plural of excellence. The word teraphim is explained in classical rabbinical literature as meaning disgraceful things. We would consider them disgraceful things. How they're, why they're naming that after the Hebrew word that means, you know, double excellence is beyond me. But the rabbis wrote it as, no, these are disgraceful. Okay, unlike the days of the Israelites, we don't have little gods we carry around in a box. You won't box our God in. You cannot put him away in a dark box so he won't see you sinning until you want him to give you something. He will be God, period. We serve a holy God, y'all. He sees every sin, and he excuses none of them. Forgiveness comes only through repentance, which means to change direction, which means stop doing the sin, and asking for his forgiveness. As humans, we tend to fall into daily routines, don't we? A routine anchors our days, and it gives us a sense of normalcy. I am a person who likes routines. I like the security of a routine and knowing certain things will get done each day. Every morning I have a set of chores I do, and every evening I have another set of chores I do. My routine makes sure certain things are done, like that my dogs have fresh water and clean bowls, all the drapes are drawn in each room, and all the doors and all the windows are locked. I don't spend an inordinate amount of time on these things. They're just routines that help me maintain my home and care for my pets properly. I have a friend in New Zealand who spends three hours a day at the gym, bodybuilding. I have a cousin in Texas who spends I don't know how many hours a week maintaining classic cars that he restored. He started restoring cars or buying classic cars when he was about 16 years old. I have another relative, an attractive female, who spends a whole lot of time outside of work working on her image, having her hair and nails done, buying new clothes, tanning and working out. And, of course, taking and posting selfies to show off all her hard work. What do you spend most of your time and energy on? Many spend all their time advancing their careers. A lot of younger people spend all their time working on their images. And many older folks spend all of their time or most of their time with grandchildren or working on their homes. I believe whatever we... I believe whatever we personally spend the most time, energy, and money on is a good indication of where our treasures are. Because that's what you're going to invest in, right? And where our treasures are, there will our hearts also be. That's what the Bible says. You know, it's so interesting to look at the order of scriptures in the Word of God. It can reveal things you never saw before. The Word is fascinating. It's so deep and rich and you can never uncover all its secrets. 
You can never learn everything it has for you, even when you are in it every day, year after year after year. So I was looking at the Where Your Treasure Is group of scriptures. Always pay attention to what comes before and after the scriptures you're studying. For one thing, you want to see what context they're in. But also because a lot of times what comes before and after tells you more about what's in between. Before this group of scriptures, Jesus is talking about when you fast, don't make a big show of it, you know, to get admiration and whatever for what you're doing. But look at what comes after these verses about where your treasure is. It's important to see this because where our treasures are is where we will find our idols hiding. Adrian Rogers said, an idol is anything you love more, fear more, value more, or serve more than you do Almighty God. And serve more also means more of the time. That's where your time goes. I've met people who were called to kingdom work who feared their spouses more than God and won't answer the call on their life because of it. One man I met fears his Native American people more than he fears God, though he has known for years he is called to preach. The Lord gave me a word for him to tell him that, and I told him, and he said, I know, but my people won't accept it, so I won't do it. And I thought, are you kidding me? But I didn't say anything. I just delivered the word and went on with my life. And the Lord told me to tell this man that he would give him dreams and visions, which are highly valued, by the way, by the Native American people, that would make his people believe. But he still said no. Did you know that this is a reason that a lot of people don't tithe or give to the church? Because they're holding on to their treasure. Their treasure is their money in their bank account. But the word of God says that in the end times, rich men will throw their silver and gold away to the bats because when the judgments come, it's worth nothing. It will not save you. Okay, so let's look at some scriptures. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not, and I'm a reading from the King James, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So, after the where your treasure is verses come the scriptures about only being able to serve one master, 
So you cannot serve God and those little idols too. And the verses about not worrying, why take you thought for raiment? If God so clothed the grass of the field, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? He is saying, be careful what you treasure or you will get into worldly worries and lose your faith in me. See how interesting the Bible is? You know, people are always emailing me wanting a word, but you can get a word anytime you want. Just open up your Bible and read it. These verses are a word for all of us. Be careful what you treasure too much or you will get into the cares of the world, worldly worries, and lose your faith in me. When you get into the cares of the world, that's when Satan comes and steals the word out of your heart. Remember that, that parable? You'll get into worldly worries and lose your faith in me, and I'm the one who closed the grass of the field. So basically, I can take care of you. Don't lose your faith in me. Also, looking at verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore in that eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. That word single in verse 22, Matthew 6, 22, means whole and not confused. We know from the word of God that idolatry always brings confusion. Okay, moving right along. He is where our treasure should be. Isaiah 41, 29 is very important when you're studying idolatry. Behold, they are all vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images, those are the idols, are wind and confusion. That word wind in Isaiah 41, 29 means just air. It means hot air, like hot air. Like you say a person, oh, that person is all hot air. It's basically, if it's saying it's wind, it means the same thing as their hot air. It also means a discontented spirit. And that is exactly what idolatry will give you. A discontented spirit because there is not one thing in this world available to us that can fulfill your spirit except the spirit of the living God. Those little dead statue gods have nothing to give you but some weight to add to your burden. Can I just say that? Okay, I, wanted to, I want you to think about this. The Lord is telling us idols are just vanity. That word vanity means wickedness, affliction, and sorrow. We don't want any of that. We don't want any of that, y'all. So he is saying idols are just wickedness, affliction, sorrow, and wind and confusion. Why would we want any of that? What does the wind do? Aside from the Holy Spirit wind, of course. Ask any woman who styles her hair. I grew up in the age of hairspray, y'all. We styled our hair, then we sprayed it so it would stay in place. You walk out into the wind, and the wind messes everything up, and your hairstyle is all over the place, including stuck in your lipstick. Back at those, <laughs> those were the days of lip gloss, too, so your hair would get stuck there. It messes everything up. When you least expect it, the wind comes out of nowhere and just messes everything up. Idols will do the same thing to your life. They will bring unexpected destruction. The scariest thing of all to me is how God responds to idolatry in the life of someone who walks closely with him. If we give someone or something else credit for delivering us or protecting us, taking care of us, whatever, he closes our eyes where we cannot see. He blinds us. That is what you're seeing. Anytime you see somebody that's in a relationship that's just wrong, for lack of a better word, and you know what a wrong relationship is, and everybody tries to tell them and they won't listen, they still think they're right, they've gotten into idolatry. They, that's why they can't see it's wrong. They have tucked their idols away, all safe and sound among their stuff, and now they are blind to them. Isaiah 44, 
17 and 18. And the residue thereof, this is coming in the context of, he's talking about how men would chop down a tree and they'd burn part of it for a fire. And then they would make a little God out of part of it and bow down and worship it. And the residue thereof, he maketh a God, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it and worship it and prayeth unto it and saith, deliver me for thou art my God. In verse 18, they have not known nor understood for he hath shut their eyes. Why did he shut their eyes? Because they bowed down to an idol. That they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. I know people this has happened to. And they are still blind years and years later. I knew someone many years ago who left had a strong anointing, left off preaching and returned to a life of sin. And the scariest thing to me is this person thinks they're okay. To even today, thinks they're okay. But the Lord literally told me to stop praying for that person, that that person has chosen sin over him and that there will be no more repentance poured out. He literally told me that he had given them over to a reprobate mind. What could be more scary than God just leaving you in your sin and then you die there? What could be scarier than that? Because I can't think of anything. Anytime you persist in sinning and you refuse to lay that sin down, you are risking this. And God will only take it so many times before he goes, okay, they want their sin more than they want me. They've shown me over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to give them over to it because that's what my word says I'm going to do. Because he's always going to keep his word. Your sin has become an idol. If it had not, why would you keep choosing it over God? I want y'all to think about this. This is no time to be playing around in sin. You know this. We could get called home tonight and any of us could get called home unexpected anyway. I almost got called home in November of 2012, y'all, because I idolized being married. That was what I did that was wrong. I, I was in idolatry about being married again. I, want, I, was, I liked the state of being married. I wanted to be married. I liked having someone to do things for. And I woke up that one morning. I want to say it was November 27th, but I can't remember for sure. And found out I had suffered a hemorrhagic stroke in my sleep. And that if I had bled into my brain one millimeter more, it would have shut down my breathing. And I had never bothered to confirm this. Somebody told me this uh, after I regained consciousness. But here lately, I've been cleaning out every single thing in my house and paring down and cleaning out and giving away and stuff like that. And I came across the medical records from the stroke. So I flipped through them and sure enough, and it showed exactly where the, the stroke happened. It detailed everything. It didn't show it. It wasn't an x-ray, but it detailed everything. And I was like, whoa, that's serious. Literally, that's how close I came to death. And yet God, in his mercy, did not allow me to even become permanently disabled where I could not finish my work for his kingdom. And he would have been fully righteous if he had. If he had let Satan take my life, he would have been righteous because I had sinned and didn't repent. I sinned. I didn't realize I was in idolatry, but I was. How awesome is the God we serve? Does he not deserve our full devotion? I mean, come on. How quickly we can lose our grip on this world and be thrust into eternity without any warning. When I woke up that morning, I didn't know anything was wrong. Till I got out of bed and dropped like a rock to the floor because my left side was paralyzed. 
But if you get thrust into eternity today or tonight or tomorrow, you will be unable to come back and lay down that sin that you kept returning to day after day and night after night. What regret would we feel standing before Jesus if that happened to us? I don't want that to happen to anybody who follows JPH, y'all. We want to enter eternity with great joy and expectation of reward. So the question I want to ask you today is, what are you still holding on to that you know the Lord has been leading you to lay down? What in the world are you clinging to that you know the Lord wants you to let go of? Is it a person, a habit, a place? It can even be a blessing, can't it? It was God himself who commanded Abraham to sacrifice his only son that he had with his wife, Sarah, on the altar. Sometimes God will send things or people into our lives designed to test our level of commitment to him. I call this the test of the blessing. If you flunk the test of the blessing, you might have to make a detour into the wilderness to help you get straightened out on who the real God is. Don't worry, though. God will help you out. And remember, too. If he's asking you to lay something like a bad habit down, the quicker you obey something like that, the easier it is to do. That night in 1997 in South Louisiana, when the Lord told me he wanted me to lay down cigarettes, I did not want to give the cigarettes up, y'all. I'm so glad I did, but I didn't want to then. I did it. I did not want to. I didn't argue with him. I did protest for a minute. And I gave it to him, and I just trusted him for help with with any withdrawals because I knew what the withdrawals were like because I'd tried to quit so many times. And you know what? Those withdrawals never came. I never had a withdrawal. I had no cravings, nothing. That was the blessing of obedience. Pack and a half to two packs a day. It was a pack and a half a day every day. On real bad days, it was two packs. The other blessing is now I'm not fighting lung cancer or paying six to $10 a pack for cigarettes. I have lost two close family members to lung cancer. That is not an envelope I would want to push. That would just wouldn't be smart to push that. The, the night the Lord spoke that to me, those two people were still alive and well. Just obey him. Whatever he is telling or leading you to do, it is for your own good. A lot of people tell me that they cannot hear the Lord. But if you refuse him, if you refuse to obey him, maybe you lose that ability. I don't know. Would you keep talking to somebody who refused to listen and do what you were saying? I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time. I'm just saying. I refused a revelation he was trying to give me in 2008 because it scared me so bad. To this day, he won't let me have that revelation. I had not grown to the point then uh, where I knew that he would protect me from whatever, you know, what he was showing me and what he wanted me to see. That was the year before that first wilderness. And I'd picked up a brochure off my desk. I was cleaning off my desk from Charles Capps ministry as I was cleaning and I was scanning over the brochure, reading it real quick and I was going to throw it away. And when I read a scripture on the back, it was something to do with the end times. The Lord showed me a connection between then president elect Obama and the beast of revelations. And it scared me so bad. I still remember the panic I felt. He had just been elected to be our president and the newspaper was quoting so many people echoing exactly what I felt. They were all saying, I just feel this terrible sense of dread. And clearly, there is something to dread there if he has something to do with the beast of revelations because that is not going to be anything good. So we don't want to disobey God or put him off because you know the longer you put him off, the more excuses you'll make to yourself about why you're not doing what he told you to do and you'll rationalize it. And before you know it, you won't do it at all. And you know he's leading you or telling you to do it. 
You know, he speaks to you through leadings too. So I'm just saying anything you are unwilling or unable to lay down for him is starting to look a whole lot like one of those little statues, isn't it? Remember, God will take care of Isaac, but you have to take care of your Ishmael's. You will bear the burden of carrying Ishmael through the desert. So will you say, yes, Lord? Instead of saying yes, you'll say, oh, maybe tomorrow, Lord, if he asks you for one of your treasures. Okay, before we close, I got a word for somebody. There is a man listening to this podcast. You are having an affair behind your wife's back. You're pretty proud of yourself about it, too, because you feel like you are the man. Not only are you having an affair with a really beautiful woman, but your wife don't even suspect you, does she? Well, sir, the Lord says to tell you two things. Number one, that beautiful woman you are seeing behind your wife's back is mentally ill. She's just really good at hiding it. And number two... I see in the spirit your wife is a really good woman. She is faithful and true and she loves God. She really believes in you too, her husband. The Lord says to tell you, sir, that you have exactly seven days from right now when you hear this to quit that adulterous relationship you are having behind your wife's back or you will be leaving the earth. Your wife has prayed not to ever find out you are cheating on her and the Lord said he is going to answer her prayer on that. You will end that relationship or it will be the end of you. You have that choice. It is your choice. The Lord will not make you end it, but he will keep his word if you do not. Seven days exactly from right now. Look at the clock. By the way, y'all, please pray for the wife and son of the man who got a word recently through the Just Praise Him radio show that was having an affair and that that was why he had not moved his family and the Lord told him to move and take his family immediately or a tragedy was going to happen to his son. After I recorded that show, I was actually praying for that whole family and I saw that he is not going to obey. He cannot bear to give up his side chick. So he's going to talk himself out of obeying and I don't think he's going to listen to any more of my podcast, so I'm not afraid to say this. He's going to talk himself out of obeying, even though he knows that word is for him when he hears it. His son does suffer the tragedy and the guilt is going to eat him alive. And he then is he starts having problems in his relationship with his girlfriend. I don't know what they are. And I saw that he commits suicide by hanging himself. Please pray for the wife and the son and pray for the husband that he will obey the word. But at least pray for the wife and, and the son, please, when you hear this. Because if we lift up prayers, God will give them the grace to get through that. That's all I have for y'all this week. I hope this was helpful to you. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas 72539 or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Does your life feel like it's falling apart around you? Are multiple things going wrong all at once? Does it seem all your comforts have been stripped away? 
you may have entered the wilderness. Wilderness experiences are oftentimes of great discomfort and lack. Every Christian must pass through the desert on the way to their promised land. Find out how to go from surviving to thriving by partnering with God as He leads you in the path that will strengthen your faith and prepare you to step into your destiny. The Wilderness Companion will help you find out why you have been led into the wilderness. Find out the biggest hindrances to receiving the provision you need in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Learn how to partner with God in His purposes for you in the desert seasons. Get your copy of The Wilderness Companion today. The Wilderness Companion by Glinda Lomax on Amazon.com in print, Kindle, or audiobook. Do you know someone suffering from domestic violence or another form of abuse like verbal abuse? Did you know abuse has deep spiritual roots that cause abuse to be attracted to a person throughout their lifetime? Now, the Escaping Abuse Study Guide helps you discover and remove those spiritual roots so you won't be an abuse magnet. Get the Escaping Abuse Study Guide or get one for a friend. Available now on Amazon.com. Escaping Abuse Study Guide by Glenda Lomax. Available now on Amazon.com.